Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about a topic that can make us all pretty anxious, and it's a topic that we probably avoid maybe talking about with our kids because one, it might trigger our own anxiety, and two, we may worry that it would trigger our children's anxiety, especially when we're dealing with kids who already have anxiety or OCD issues. We may not want to rock the boat, and so we don't talk about this. So it is an important conversation, and I I always thought that way, but I didn't realize to what level until I talked to my guest today, Nancy Kislin, and she really opened up my eyes to the importance of talking about lockdown drills. And it's such a specific topic, and yet it impacts all of our kids on a very deep level that we may not even be aware of. And she really opened up my eyes to that and gave some very awesome, concrete approaches of what we can do about it. Because I think it's one thing to talk about a really scary topic and then to just like freak ourselves out and not have any tools to take, like any actions to take just to be nervous. And it's another to have a scary conversation and talk about a topic that we maybe sometimes try to avoid and have some really good takeaways where we're like, oh my gosh, I could be doing some things with my kids to really, really proactively reduce their anxiety, whether they are vocalizing that those lockdown drills are upsetting or not. And so uh, I was, I was shocked by how many aha moments I had talking to Nancy because there were things that I had never even thought about with my own kids. And there are things I'm going to do with my own kids that I wasn't planning on doing because of our amazing talk. So Nancy Kislin is a licensed clinical social worker and certified marriage and family therapist. She has also been a keynote speaker, author, and a former adjunct professor. And so she wrote the book, Lockdown, And so she really is the go-to person to talk about this topic with, and she is an advocate for change and how those lockdown drills occur. I love her mission and her passion. It's something that I really didn't realize needs to change until I talked to her. So I hope you enjoy my interview with her as much as I did. Definitely check out her book, It's called Lockdown, Talking to Your Kids About School Violence, and I will leave a link below in my show notes and on my website if you have a hard time finding it, but it is on Amazon and I believe Barnes & Noble. You can also go to her website at lockdownbook.com and learn more about her and her work and um, her amazing mission to, to change the way these things are done. So before we get started with the interview, I do wanna make a couple of announcements. If you're not following me on Instagram, I would love to see you over there. That's my new focus. You can follow me at anxious toddlers. It's not about toddlers, but that's my name. And I do weekly IGTV videos, which if you don't know what those are, they're like short videos on Instagram. And so I do those every week with a quick parenting tip. And I do my YouTube videos on YouTube. (laughs) I was kind of redundant. Um, so I will leave a link to my YouTube channel because I make YouTube videos for kids directly to help them with their own anxiety or OCD. And 
you can just find me right here. And if you're not subscribing, you might want to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out because I am making these episodes every Tuesday. So I've got you covered Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, providing some sort of free resource to you so that you can learn how to cope and thrive parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. Okay, well, without further ado, here is the amazing Nancy with some really good conversation about lockdown trails. Well, I want to welcome Nancy to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, this is going to be a really good podcast because it's a topic that I have never done before. And I actually think it's something that so many of us really want to talk about. Maybe we're afraid to talk about, um, but every single one of our kids, uh, unless they're homeschooled or online, have to probably experience lockdown drills, something that most of us haven't grown up with. So you're a perfect person to talk to because you're the author of Lockdown and you had some amazing tips in there that really help things that I wouldn't have even thought about doing, mm-hmm. things that I'm going to start applying. <laughs> so, but before we get in, I want to, you know, just, I know you're a therapist, but so am I, but what would make you write about that topic? I love when people ask me this question because I think it's so important that I was focusing on some other areas when the horrific day of February 14, 2018 happened in Parkland, Florida. And a childhood friend of mine, she posted that her daughter was in lockdown and it caught my attention and I turned the news on. And of course the horror of the day unfolded. And I immediately thought of our kids. Of course, those children there, but what about all the kids who are watching it in real time on their phones, sitting in class? So as I'm driving to work and I start at three o'clock with my middle school and high schoolers, I'm really weighing, what do I say? Does this child know it? So I just kind of treaded water to see which kids knew and which kids didn't. But a story I'd love to share with you is, I call her Isabel, changed her name. Um, And I saw her two days after Parkland happened. And by then I had sort of found my rhythm of how to ask the kids what they knew, how are they feeling. And this day, Isabel came in and she was so angry. Why was she so angry? Because Isabel suffers from extreme anxiety and she's really uncomfortable with loud noises. So... Her case manager and the parents, and her included, came up with, for example, on the day of a fire drill, she would get a note in homeroom telling her to go to the nurse at 1.35, and that's when the fire drill would happen. So she wouldn't be startled, and she would also be able to prepare to cover her ears as needed. Well, two days after the shooting in Parkland, her case manager pulled her out of class and he sat her down and said, Isabel, we're going to do the same thing we do with fire drills for you with the lockdown drills. And she got really angry and she tried to explain to him why that wasn't okay. So by the time she got into my office at three o'clock that day, she was really worked up and furious. And when I calmed her down and asked her, why don't you want to not be in the nurse's office? And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, as hard as it is, if I don't learn how to tolerate those lockdown drills, 
I won't know what to do when the shooter comes to kill us. And I just started to cry. And I thought, I have to write a book about this. Like, it was one of those moments in your life where you just have extreme clarity. And of course I brought Isabel's mom in and we took care of the case manager and we had a whole plan. And I'll never forget her words because the power of a child who deals with so much to be able to be so articulate to say, I will override my fear of all that because I'm so afraid that something so terrible happen I thought do parents know what we're doing to these children and that sort of put me on this road that I'm on which is great I mean sad sad story (laughs) but great in that in that we have to have more of a dialogue about it that how many of our kids are going through these things and we're not talking about it and you know I I don't you know I would be very reactive with my kids except when my daughter went to high school and, you know, she has anxiety and she started to articulate. She goes to a very big high school and they would actually, you know, a lot of my kids, well, all of my kids have had times where we've gotten notes home. You know, there's been a threat, you know, or we're taking care of it or the police are here, um, both in the elementary school and the high school where my kids go. And so it's like, how do you talk to your kids about that? So we're going to get into it because I want people to have some really good concrete um, takeaways that they can just be like, okay, for starters, it's important to talk about. So how, how do we handle our own anxiety before we get into this? Okay, so that is one of my first tips that I talk about is you got to check in with yourself. I'm not saying it's not scary. I know you're not saying it's not scary. It is terribly scary to think that something bad could happen to our children. But we need to check in on ourselves talk to our spouse, talk to our friends, talk to whoever we talk to. Uh, What is our fear? How in control are we? Are are we texting? I say this all the time, but I don't know different places in the country, but where I live, somehow middle schoolers, even though they're not supposed to, have their phones or their watches on them in class, and the parents are texting, are you okay, are you okay? And I say, stop, 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 right? Check your anxiety at the door. What does that do to that child? And I interviewed hundreds and hundreds of kids and parents and people like us, therapists and educators for the book. And what I found is the kids are really clear. If parents are anxious about their safety, they have a heightened anxiety. Well, my mom wouldn't be so worried about it and she wouldn't text me all the time she didn't really think something bad could happen, right? And my response is, 52 million children go to school every day in our country. Our biggest job, your biggest job as the parent, is to remind them that they are safe. That if you didn't think they were safe, you probably wouldn't send them to school, right? If the school has the principal, administrators, teachers, all these people, and it sounds so basic, But a parent being able to communicate that to the child more than once is a really, really important thing, I believe. Yeah, and I think that really helps. We're going to get into how to help your kids directly, too. But I do think that approach, one, it's helpful, I think, parentally to hear that it is is very tragic and it should not be something we have to talk about. And it is um, impacting so many of our kids, even on a small scale of having to have a lockdown drill, let alone these scares. 
But I know when I talk to my 15-year-old daughter, we talk about this, this, this statistical probability, you know, and even though she has an anxiety disorder, you know, it was able to like zoom back and say, let's just talk mathematically. How many schools do you think there are in the U.S.? Right. How many students are actually in your school? So even if something tragic happened at your school, which I hope won't happen, and the likelihood is so tiny, I even went down to this part with her, how, what the, what's the likelihood that you would even be a victim in that? You know, and, and it actually calmed her, even though it was a very scary topic, and it's even scarier to even bring it back to her school. She's like, yeah, the likelihood still is really small that something would happen to me. I love, I love how you did that because... First of all, it sounds like you were very present, right? You didn't have your phone in your hand. You weren't distracted. You said to her, I hear you. I hear that this is something you're worried about. And that's one of my biggest tips to parents is make this a priority. Your kid, I don't know if you're a kid, but I know so many kids who have anxiety or they might not call it anxiety. They just are uncomfortable. It's another... They have fire drills and lockdown drills. That means two weeks out of a month, there is a drill, right? That's hoping that no unforeseen thing happened, right? Like the story I start out in the book is, um, I won't tell the whole story, but basically the school went into massive lockdown evacuation, went on for a very long time. And what started it? oh, there was a contractor working on the heater and he, there was a wire that came out of his bag and they thought it was a bomb. Wow. So the children went through this horrific fear, the teachers do, when it, thank God it was fine. Meanwhile, so in a typical month, there's at least two different drills that we put our children through, right? So we have to start with, yeah, that, that must be uncomfortable. It must be annoying. Like starting at, and you helped your daughter just break it down to manageable thoughts. Um, the next step I do with encourage parents, can I jump in there, is to then give them something to do when they're in that, um, oh my gosh, what if this happens here? I call it like the scary tunnel that we can go down, right? How do you put in some facts that can slow down the path? or even interrupt it. One is, I love what you said, is, you know, millions of kids go to school every day. Um, you know, give them those concrete facts, but then something else I like to do is totally change the direction and say, okay, wait a minute. Let me identify, oh, am I going down that? Oh, how do I know I'm going down that? Age appropriate, like, my tummy starts to hurt. I start to sweat. I, I start to shake, right? Even a four or five-year-old is aware enough to know through the help to say, oh, yeah, something's happening in my body. Something's happening in my mind. Okay, when I start to feel that uncomfortableness, what, am I, what can I do? That's right. I can stop and take three deep breaths, put my hands on my belly, and slow myself down. I don't know about you, but I often use the breathing with kids and adults too. And most times people will push back. Oh, I don't like to do that. Oh, I don't like to do that. And I always say, oh, that's okay. Let's just try it anyway, right? Just because they say no doesn't mean you stop with the no. Well, that's okay, right? And 
I give different instructions and then it's a discipline. Okay, I have a choice, right? Because most of us who have our anxiety, right? What is that? That means we process. We have so, we're processing information so fast. I have a choice. Remember that lady, Nancy? She told me I have a choice. I can go down that scary tunnel and think, oh my God, oh my God, someone bad's coming into the school. Or I can put my hands on my belly and take really deep breaths. And then I can start going through, um, I like to, that kids seem to like a lot, is squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. Start with your big toes and squeeze your big toes. Imagine every little fiber, every little muscle, everything. Tight, tight, tight. Count to three. Now release. Use your breath to help release it. And then go through every body part. And even if they get that thought, but what if, but if, what if? It's, wait, come back. I didn't go to my ankle yet. I didn't go to my elbow yet. And it's the same time we're teaching calm, we're each also helping the child develop a way to self-regulate, right? We're teaching them that we believe in them to be able to regulate their thoughts, which I think is such an empowerful, empowering thing and such a powerful thing to hear a parent say even to a four-year-old a five-year-old I know you can do this I know you can do this I know you can choose to do this I don't know. yeah and I like that I think um yeah I definitely attack more the thoughts um I was probably one of those kids one of those anxious kids that said breathing doesn't work <laughs> Yeah. And when I had panic attacks in college, uh, breathing, I would hyperventilate if I focused on my breathing. So I'm, as an as a anxious person, I totally get the resistance. But I think when you're in the middle of, of a panic, you want to like, you know, you want to turn off that false alarm. And so I like what you're saying. I think, you know, with my little kids, uh, my two little ones, but even with my older one too, I, I explain to them kind of like what you're talking about. I'll say, you can have a lockdown for anything. And they don't tell you, which I think is kind of unfortunate, but I, I understand why. But I'll say, do you know what that lockdown was for? Uh, that lockdown was because there were wild bees, you know, on the playground. And so they had a lockdown for that. And then do you know why they had a lockdown the other day? Because five miles away, you know, there was a bad guy that robbed a bank. He didn't want anything to do with you guys, but because he was near your school, they had to lock it down. And so I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I deal with more with the thought part of it of we're having a lockdown. It's probably bees. And then how do I turn off my worry cloud? Cause my worry cloud is now hit the false alarm button. So I'm feeling panicky. I can't breathe. I'm anxious. And then I love all the things that you said. I would probably frame it for my kids in, you know, your worry cloud is having a false alarm. We need to communicate that the false alarm is not happening. And mm -hmm. so how do we turn off the false alarm? The only way we can turn it off is through the deep breathing and the, you know, going through the muscles. Like that's a way to tell your worry cloud, Hey, calm down, worry cloud. We're having, we're just having a drill here. I know it seems scary, you know, kind of empowering them to talk to their, to calm their little worry cloud. I love that. I love that. And sometimes it's ask, asking themselves, what do they really need? I found that such a powerful tool that I try to live with too, is when I start to feel that anxious feeling, you know, okay, my body's trying to get my attention. Okay, you got my attention. My tummy's hurting. What do I need? Oh, I need to tell myself positive thoughts. Look around the room. We're all in hiding. Everyone's here. 
my teacher's here, you know, okay, see, I'm okay. To teach the child that they can access and ask themselves, what do I need? We find that so much of the research I did that that's such an empowering, that's like another way to turn that switch. Yeah. Something else you said um, made me think about this was when you said the breathing doesn't always work. What I try and teach with the kids is that if you get in the habit of being more present and more connected to yourself, how do we do that? With breath work, with talking to ourselves, asking whether our worry cloud or asking ourselves, our body, what do we need? What do we think? Hopefully we lower the chances that we get to that panic place where you're having a panic attack. Because I always say, isn't that the goal? So you, you have less moments where you get into that sort of crisis place. Yeah, if you could be proactive, that would be a beautiful thing. And to empower our kids to do that, that they are capable, which right. I think is really good. And that's really the big push I try to make in my book is that this is the reality. The once a month in 52 states, no, sorry, 32 states in our country have um, state mandated that once a month there's some form of lockdown drill, whether it's a lockdown drill where you lock in the classroom you're in, uh, active shooter drill, shelter in place drill, or now they're big into evacuation drills. To wow, so that's totally separate from the fire drill. Right. That's so crazy. Right. So then if this is our reality, I believe that we, the adults in our children's lives, have a responsibility to teach them resiliency. Okay, you are going to be hiding under a desk, in a cubby, something where you're going to be running from an imaginary shooter. Okay, let me teach you skills so you can really survive in this. That's the piece I believe we're falling short in this country that you know, I believe we're in such a reactive time because this has happened since um, really Sandy Hook, right? It's just been escalating. And so I feel like I'm trying to say, wait a minute, if this is our new reality, then, hey, who's focusing on the children's emotional and mental health? And uh, let me show you, <laughs> let me show you how we can do it. And I believe we have to train our teachers, right, as well as the parents to be really be partners in this of, okay, you know what? It is scary. Let's just acknowledge it's scary. It's uncomfortable. Whatever it is, it's not normal. Many parents will say to me, oh, my kid's fine, Nancy. My kid's fine. It's, they're just normal. It's normal to them. Excuse me. It's normal to them. Really? Did you check in with your kid? Did you find a quiet moment to ask them, have they noticed anyone in their classroom who has a hard time? And that's one of the ways I believe you get the kids to start to talk is say, oh, Mrs. So-and-so told me on the playground that her child was having a really hard time. Sweetie, did you ever notice anyone in your class having a hard time? And there you just sort of took your anxiety out of it, hopefully, <laughs> and just made it like, hey, I want to know what's happening in that classroom of yours. Yeah. And these are such good points because I had no idea that one, that you have to have a fire drill. I mean, not a fire drill, but like a lockdown drill once a month in 32 states. That's, I'm still stuck on that statistic. So to me, what I'm hearing you say is that 
And especially for the people that listen to my podcast, we almost all have kids with anxiety or OCD. Um, That's predominantly everybody in here who's listening to this. And so proactively at the beginning of the school year, wouldn't it be nice? And it's, it's sad, but it's, I think it'd be really proactively helpful to say, you know, here's your routine, here's your class, this is what's going to happen. And also, because I know noises can be scary, or I know that things, you know, you like to plan, I think it's important for you to know that the state requires that your school have not only fire drills, but lockdown drills. And if you're one of the 32, you know, I guess it doesn't matter. It might even help just to say, you know, 32 states require it once a month. So that's how often these things are going to happen. And they're for lots of different things. They could be for in Arizona, you know, bees, because <laughs> we have like killer bees. It was actually a problem. But, you know, we have bees or it could be something's happening like five miles away, but it's in the radius of the school. And, and so it can feel scary. And this is what it's going to look like and kind of go through the steps. But it's going to happen maybe like once a month. Right. And then engage them in that conversation of saying, what do you think you can do to calm yourself down? You know, do you want to be one of the kids who keeps, um, I'm all about fidget toys, Mm -hmm. a rock, you know, a special rock in your, in your pan pocket every day? Or is there sort of a mantra? Kids love mantras. Come up with something that you can say to yourself that helps keep you calm. Do the different, and I illustrate all different breathing messages. Um, But you brought up something else, if it's okay to go to, is when you said the beginning of the school year. So I, I, um, my heart goes out to all the parents whose kids struggle with anxiety. I was the little girl who would always cry and be, my day, they called it shy. Shy, my mother would tell everyone, oh, don't bother with Nancy, she's shy, don't bother talking to her. I'm like, I'm not shy. Aww. (laughs) And so... I find that my, I try to embrace my anxiety and it helps me do and fuel everything I try to bring into this world. So one of the things that I'm on this mission to do is to help parents get involved in their school district and ask certain questions. What is the training that you're doing? What training do your teachers have? Are they being trained of? Um, this is one of the things I'm doing in the country right now is helping schools train their teachers to use less traumatizing language. Yes, that is so good. Yeah, and it's hard because a lot of school districts, they are so focused on the physical, which of course is really important, but I'm like ringing this alarm bell saying, hey, wait, we have to focus on the social and the emotional and the mental health. So if you know that your child, of course, is struggling with this extra layer of anxiety, okay, I would say over the summer is a good time. Have a meeting with your superintendent, your school principal, and ask them what training is that teacher doing? What is going on in the school? How can you offer sort of some suggestions of, you know, my daughter or my son does really well when there's notice. Can we figure that out? Two is a big thing, and again, I found most school districts that I interviewed in the country do not, do not send an email to the parents the day of there was a regular drill. So let's say yesterday there was just a typical evacuation drill. I say typical thinking, ah, right? But there was this typical evacuation drill. 
most schools don't send home that email saying, hey, Nancy, your girls just went through this exercise. So one of the things I encourage parents to do in my book, and now, is ask. There's no reason why schools can't do that. It's just that nobody thought about it. That's the response I get back from superintendents, from board members. I didn't even think about that. It doesn't cost the school anything. So, and why I think that's such an important idea is because then when you pick up your child, you already know and let it be on your radar to somehow not lecture them, not drill, oh my God, was it so upsetting for you? No. <laughs> Just yeah. kind of be like, hey, got an email, heard there was a drill today. You know, what'd you notice? That would be so helpful. I mean, that I just, you're bringing up such good points that like, I haven't even thought about, like, why don't they do these things? And I think for a lot of people listening, you might get some pushback. I know that I have worked with tons of parents where, you know, their kids have acute anxiety and they won't get warnings for, for lockdowns um, because they want it to be spontaneous. And I get that. Um, but sometimes you get resistance with that. And sometimes, you know, they'll tell you, no, we're not going to email you. We just don't have the time, you know, and you get kind of a callous response. So my suggestion to that, I'm so glad you brought this up because this is something I'm so passionate about is we're always more powerful in numbers. So go speak to, go to your PTO, go to your class mom, go get other moms, dads involved and say, right, because numbers speak volumes. I even had a superintendent who really loved everything I was doing, but then said, he knows he's going to get pushback. He said, can you please go and speak to my different PTO presidents and you get the forces rallied up. And if they put pressure on us, that's how change will happen. I was, yeah. floored. I was floored, but that is, that is the truth. And something else he said was also that there is an argument in our country right now that people think that we, our children need to go through the experience that it might be the real thing because that's helpful for them. And I would say, show me the research. I have yet to find it. What I found is the complete opposite. There is no reason we have to put children through the fact that they may confront a man with a gun or a woman with a gun to be prepared. It's just honestly, sorry to be so opinionated, ridiculous. Right? And a lot of schools, I just had a superintendent I met with last week tell me that that's what the research, that's what he's being trained. And I said, in all due respect, it's not true. The, the child's brain, if you traumatize a child over and over and over again, that doesn't mean when the real thing happens, they'll be better, better prepared. Like you and I know that in our world, right? That's, yeah. So why is that happening? Um, I have lots of thoughts. One, I just go back to work in such a reactive phase, but that's where the parents can really get involved and say, wait a minute, we can push back on this. We yeah. have to have, if states say they have to have the drills, but no state says they can't tell the children it's a drill. Yeah. A fire drill, they know it's a fire drill, right? We know yeah. it's a fire drill. And so I agree. I mean, I think we live in a, a place, we live in a day and a time where it's so sad, but I think our kids do need to know how to, you know, quietly get to one side of the room and turn the lights off and be quiet. Do they have to think there's an active shooter? Do they have to be told the details of why 
you know, and if the, if the bullets come over our head, we can do this. No, I don't think they need to be traumatized. I think it could just be another drill so that if there was an emergency, their little robotic, you know, movements would just be like, this is what we do when the drill happens. This That's is right. what we do. And so we they're kind of we, right. We sip our mouths. We look at the teacher and we wait for directions. Like right. Yes. I think um, another, if I can throw in real quick is um, another trend is they put flyers in the back of the bathroom stalls. I don't know if they do that at your kid's school. And on the back of it, the flyer says what to do in case of a lockdown drill. And it shows that the children are supposed to stand on the toilet seat and duck down. And all that sounds good. My argument or pushback to this is every time a child goes to the bathroom, do they need to be reminded that they might be shot and killed in school? The fact of the matter is our children are really smart. And if we teach them once or twice a year, go over the protocol, my guess is they're going to remember. And, and if you put that out where one week, a couple months ago, I had three girls, new clients come in. They didn't know who I was in my book and my topic. And they both share, they all shared, excuse me, that there was this new flyer in the bathroom and they were so freaked out and then they couldn't get over it that day. So I called the superintendent and I was lucky enough that he took my call and I was like, who told you to put this flyer in the bathroom? And he's like, our security firm. So I get that there's people who are thinking ways to keep kids alive, but it comes back to sort of the mom, the dad, looking at the situation and do you want your child to be traumatized, to be agitated, to be triggered anytime and every time they go to the bathroom. Yeah. And that's crazy. I don't, I don't, I'll have to ask my daughter. I don't think I've, I don't think they have that in the bathrooms where they go to school, but I don't know. Maybe it's so normal. They don't even mention it. And I think it's, it's not saying that we don't prepare for these things, but it's like, do we prepare to the level and the intensity and the traumatic way that we're doing it at the cost and expense of our children's mental health? And so it's this balance of preparing, but at what cost? Does my child need to know that they can be shot in the bathroom every single time they pee? No. Or can it be brought up once or twice a year in a training that if you're in a different location, this is what you do, you know? And so I think it's, it's just working smarter, you know, with our kids. And to me, it's just really awareness is helping parents become educated about the different drills, learning ways to kind of break through the taboo of this subject and saying, you know what, don't just assume that your kid can't handle talking to you or your kid won't or find creative ways, do an activity together and just drop it in. You know, it's like use humor. I always tell, like, oh, my kid doesn't talk. Well, maybe your child doesn't talk because you lecture or you tell them what's wrong. If you sort of like, oh, my God, Mrs. So-and-so told me that their kid, you know, thought this when she was in lockdown drill or something to make it just more, more okay to talk about. You'd be shocked. Every story that I interviewed, I interviewed the kids with the parent nearby because I, I, I needed the permission, but I also thought it was such a powerful teaching moment. And more parents than not cried when they listened to their children talk about what their real experiences are. And I do it not in them to make people upset, but to empower them to say, I need to pay attention to this. 
because yeah. this is something of all the things that are out of our control right now in our country this is something that we really can do something about right this is something like schools can adapt and make it more comfortable for our kids they could all right and i think there's there's a lot of advocacy that could definitely happen but i also want to speak to that parent who's probably like me and has a very full plate and maybe is you know socially anxious and doesn't like confrontation and I think even on that, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking we need people like that for sure. And it's wonderful that you're doing your work and hopefully you're inspiring other people listening who are connected and can do that, uh, that kind of advocacy. But even if you're not, if you're, if you're not that type of parent where you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't even handle my own stuff. I can't even talk to the doctor or whatever. If, if you have this proactive conversation with your child, um, which I'm going to do, and I wasn't planning on doing it, you know, like starting in the school year with even my seven-year-old just you know in a very non-scary sort of way just we're getting ready for school these are the things that are going to happen you know i'm proactively kind of um preempting any anxiety because they're going to expect it and they have you know what i call green thoughts positive thoughts and how to breathe and do things when it happens but then i think it'd be really cool to say can you just let me know when you have lockdowns i would love to know what happened you know i would just want to know when they're happening so that we know that they're happening, you know, regularly or whatever. And that way I'm not depending necessarily on the school if they're not willing to do that or if I'm not, you right. know, feeling motivated or, or empowered or socially empowered <laughs> to go contact them. And right. then sometimes kids will say, oh, I did fine, you know, but oh, so-and-so was crying or so-and-so had a panic attack. Or with my older daughter, she would come back and she would tell me the most traumatic stories about this one teacher who during the lockdown trails would pull up the desk. And then he talked about how he bought himself a, a bulletproof desk so that he could make sure that all the kids are safe. And then he would go and he would talk about all the different things that he would do. I'm going to grab this stick and I will do this. And I'm going to go over to the door and what can you do? Now he was out of control. I mean, I'm happy that he was like proactive, but my child didn't need to be traumatized by his, like, you know, his attack. <laughs> he had, he was ex-military and he had a solid plan. And you know, if something bad happened, I would be really happy she was in that class, but she didn't need to know his play by play. And so in that case, if my child was more upset or actually probably having this conversation with you, I think I would have done this anyway because of the other students just to advocate for everybody. I would email him. I would feel more comfortable doing that and say, you know, I'm happy that you're feeling very prepared and stuff, but your rhetoric, you know, you're talking out loud is probably scaring some of the kids. Right. And that leads to a whole nother area, but it is so important that parents, however, even if it's an email asking their kids is every school has different protocols. Every teacher, just that's such a perfect example, has different protocol of what they do. What do I mean by that is um, I was speaking at uh, a church a couple months ago and a lovely mother came up to me afterwards and she said the following story that I could, I still can't believe is that her second grader went on a field trip with, with the teacher and the teacher took them out into the backyard of the school and they had big Ziploc baggies and they had to fill the Ziploc baggies with big rocks. And then they kept that bag of rocks in their desk so that when the bad man with the gun came, they were to throw the baggie with the rocks at the gunman. Wow. And that started me on a whole other line of questioning. Um, what I found was 
okay, I don't know if your mind goes there, my mind goes to, so every time that second grader opens her desk to get a pencil or whatever, a book, she now had, could be traumatized or could be at least triggered by seeing that bag of rocks. And was that a school policy? Was that the teacher who took it upon themselves? Those are, and that, what I say is to the parents is get involved with your child. Let them be your storyteller. So they tell you what's going on there. And then what you decide to do with it, well, that, that's up to you. But that parent wouldn't have known that if the child didn't tell the parent that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a conversation that you definitely want to have with your kids. And even if you feel like they're already anxious, they already worry about their safety. That's even more of a reason because whether you like it or not, it's going to be happening probably monthly. And so you want to be proactive. So thank you so much for coming on and thank you. Thank you. Having us have a really important conversation, more important than I even realized until uh, I talked to you. So thank you. Where can people find your book? They can find my book at, can I hold it up? Lockdown. If you go to lockdownbook.com, um, it'll take you to my website and then you could click on there or it's on Amazon and it's on Barnes and Noble online. Okay, so, wonderful. And I will leave links below um, so that you can click on that and it'll be on my website so that, but it's lockdownbook.com or on Amazon and it's a good read. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank well, you so much. So I hope you found our conversation informative. Definitely check out Nancy's website and her book. You can go to lockdownbook.com to learn more about Nancy and her work, or you can find her book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. If you're enjoying my podcast, you can leave a star on iTunes to show your support. I greatly appreciate that or wherever you consume your podcast. If you have a few extra minutes and you have some time to let other parents know what you appreciate about this podcast, I greatly appreciate that as well. And I appreciate it so much that I always end my podcast reading a few of them. So I want to thank Ms. Casey Ray for leaving a review. She wrote Binge Worthy. I love this podcast. I discovered Natasha's website yesterday, then her YouTube channel, and now her podcast. Her voice is soothing and she's funny too. Well, thank you. It's nice to listen to in the car. I don't get bored as I have with some parenting podcasts, and she doesn't go over my head with clinical terms. Even her scary topics, child predators, abductions, she addresses in a way that I don't get too freaked out and I'm able to ingest the information. I really appreciate you leaving that review and those kind words. And if you have something to say, please leave a review and maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Hi, I'm a mom of a daughter with OCD. I live in South Africa. Um, and it's a country that doesn't have a lot of resources for children's mental health and specifically OCD. I really was at my wit's end on how I'm going to support my child, how I'm going to do ERP, how I'm just basically going to, to parent a daughter with OCD in a country that has little to no resources. And at times it got just debilitating for us as a family and I was super lonely, um, people weren't listening, I didn't have any support. The AT community has been an absolute lifesaver. Natasha has been instrumental in the past few months in helping us 
set up ERP challenges, going through them step by step, being supportive each and every step of the way. Joining the AD parenting community has been one of the best things I could have done for me and my family. Uh, Natasha has built this community and it is exceptional. I've learned so much, the support is fantastic. It's, it's just been life-changing for my daughter. Um, it's so nice to be able to ask her live questions in office hours. She's there, she responds. Uh, her live videos every week where she asks us what we need her to talk about. Uh, also her forums, again, where you can ask questions. She's on there all the time. She is very present. The resources she's had provided, the worksheets. Uh, there are so many things in this AT parenting community that are beneficial. Natasha gives you so much of her time and her expertise. She's there to answer your questions, so it's such a personal way of getting help and support when it's much needed. Personally, the community has helped me because I feel like I needed my support. And then you have the added bonus of this fantastic community of parents who are going through such similar things and suddenly you're empowered and have ways of accessing help and making a real difference to your family. And also just the support of all the other moms and dads, it's really good, you know? We laugh together, we cry together, we fail together, we succeed together, um, and, and everybody gets it. Everybody gets it, and it's such a nice community to be with, and I hope you join us. You won't be disappointed. Try it out. To learn more about how you can become a member of the AT Parenting Community, Go to atparentingcommunity.com.